Uh, what do we need to do to the head to try and get more ball speed, change the launch, change the spin? Um, do we have room to make the shaft longer so that players generate more speed? So that might mean the weight of the hybrids um, get a little bit different than previously. So we'll work with uh, some of the shaft companies on designing a shaft that hits a specific target on how heavy it is, the length that we want to make it for the for the product, and the swing weight that that club needs to be by the time it's a built built club. This is the Fitting Room Podcast. Here's your host, Nate Adelman. Well, Garrett, we meet again here on the Fitting Room Podcast, uh, and today. Well, actually, I'll ask you a question. What is a topic that our listeners never seem to tire of? They always want to learn more about, always have questions about, always want to go deeper in. That's an easy one. Without a doubt, it is the uh, the wide world of shafts and shaft fitting. Uh, so many options out there. Everyone's looking for, for that, uh, that one shaft that's going to be just right for them. And uh, everyone wants to know, how do you figure that out? So our listeners asked, and we delivered, in today's episode, we're going deep into the world of shafts, shaft fitting. Uh, we're going to dispel some rumors. We're going to address some facts or fiction. And Garrett, I know you spend a lot of time testing golf clubs, testing different shaft combinations in your professional life, in your personal life, in your former life as a uh, you know serious golfer, still a serious golfer uh, as well. Uh, but I thought that we should also take advantage of some of the wonderful relationships we have at Callaway and bring in a true professional to help us with this conversation. And that is none other than Austin Tudor. He's a product marketing manager over at, uh, from our friends at Fujikura Golf. So Austin, thank you for uh, making your first appearance here on the Fitting Room Podcast. Nate, Garrett, I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, Obviously, I wish we could be doing this in person, but it's uh, it's exciting to be on either way. So thanks for having me, and thanks for letting me represent Fuji with you guys. Well, in the future, we'll make sure to have you once we're back in our, our home studio, the friendly confines of, uh, of uh, 2180 Rutherford Street, and uh, always some good party favors, too, to be had. So I don't blame you for uh, wanting to be in person. Absolutely. Um, Can't wait for that day, huh? <laughs> exactly and uh, uh, Austin you've been in the industry a long time you've worked with some OEMs before um, but tell us a little bit about what you do at, at Fujikura now yeah so I work uh, I, as you said before I'm the product marketing manager and my role is pretty interesting um, you know we are a smaller company I get to work with a lot of the different departments um, bringing our latest and greatest golf shafts to market and that goes from working with our R&D team to our development team slash tour, uh, and then actually doing some copywriting and uh, promoting the product um, as, as we're talking about here, you know, talking to guys like you and a lot of the golf media. So a, a lot of hats, but it's, it's all the good things that I would want in a job kind of wrapped into one. So you got one foot in product, one foot in marketing. You're kind of helping bridge the gap between – you know, R&D and the consumer and being able to translate that into uh, language we can all understand. And that was a, a big reason of why we wanted you here on the show was because we know that there's nobody better to be able to, you know, for, for this show, you know, we want to go deep. We want to talk specs. We want to talk uh, R&D language, but um, our audience can handle that. 
uh, but at the same time, uh, make it in a way that, that, that we understand it. Yeah. And I'm excited to do so. It's, it's, uh, definitely one of the more fun parts of my game. I am a, a techie gearhead, you know, just like many, uh, many of the people listening. So just lucky to be in this seat. And you got some good game too. I, I think I by far have the worst, worst handicap amongst this, uh, esteemed crowd we have here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we get, uh, we get lucky every now and then. The, the, the blind squirrel even finds a nut. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, Austin from a Fujikura standpoint. Talk to us a little bit about uh, the Fujikura approach to shaft fitting and shaft design and philosophy. Yeah, so we'll start. We'll start at the beginning, right? It uh, it all starts with talking to our guys in development slash tour. I don't like to say that they're not on the developmental side of things because they're getting the feedback from the world's best players. And that's very important to us. They, you know, these guys out on tour are able to feel things, even some of the better golfers within the industry, like GP, you know, like our president, David Schneider, um, are, they may be able to feel it, but these guys are with the clubs every day, hitting shots every day. They know a specific feel uh, and the performance attributes that they're looking for you know, they're able to tell that there was a, a half a degree difference from a, from a launch perspective. So uh, we really start with the tour and get their feedback um, as to what, what those guys are looking for. Now, when I say the tour, we've kind of turned it a little bit on its head and started with the PGA Champions Tour. And we've started with the LPGA Tour because those are a lot of the same ball speeds that we'll see throughout a, a consumer profile, right? So it the we don't necessarily need to design anymore around the 120 plus guy. We have a way of, you know, through an algorithm and through data to be able to make something stiffer and playable for the 120 plus mile per hour guy. We're more, we're more focused on golfers like us, you know, the ones that are around that 190 to 110 profile from the, from a club head speed. That's where we really start, but it goes even deeper. So once we create a prototype, we take it to our end zone. And we want to make sure we understand exactly how much lead or lag or droop is going on, not just at the moment of impact, but this is all the way throughout the swing from the golfer's takeaway all the way through post-impact. So we're able to see every two seconds, excuse me, uh, a clip into every two seconds, and we all know the golf swing is about a three-quarters of a second at best. Um, we're able to expand that out and every two seconds uh, be able to see what the golfer is doing with the golf shaft. Now, what the shaft is doing, how it's reacting, because it's not just bending, it's also twisting too. So we're able to really get to see, we call it kind of the MRI of golf. Um, we're able to see exactly that function between golfer and golf club at that point. And that's where it starts, right? So we, we prototype uh, using our Enzo system, do a couple of different types of prototypes, and then we get into uh, a player testing. And sorry if I keep going on and on, but this is kind of the hierarchy of how all of this goes through. Uh, so then we player test to make sure the feels there, because just because we're, we're outputting the performance attributes we want, that doesn't necessarily mean that it feels the way the golfers are looking for, or the golfers are going to react to how that feels, right? So we want to make sure that we're getting the data um, from a foresight or a track man and the feel perspective from the golfer through uh, a database of over 75 golfers that we have here at Fujikura for player testing. And then obviously it goes from there and we, we start production. Uh, excellent. So how does just asking for a friend, how does one become in that list of 75 players? 
in the test. <laughs> well, you are you are next on that list now that you know you and I have gotten to know each other even better, and um, we've got to get you in here, obviously. But right now, we're we're basically just testing anybody in house because we kind of have to keep this bubble that we have going, just yeah. like everybody else does. Yeah, but the second we're able sense. to, you were you were going to be our you know on <laughs> our guys of hundred to hundred and ten mile per hour golf swings that we need in here. So you're too kind. You so. So uh, I'll open this up to both Garrett and to Austin, but let's talk about when a golfer is looking at a website and deciding what shaft is going to go in my new driver, let's say. There's a bunch of variables to look for, right? There's, there's weight, there's flex, there's torque, there's uh, bend point, there's kick point, there's uh, balance point. You know, there's, there's a, a lot of variables. Help us break down let's say the order of operations, what variables should we be looking for? GP, I've done a lot of talking. I'll back you up on this one. You, you, you start from a fitting perspective and then I'll, I'll chime in if needed. Yeah, that, that's, a, uh, that's a tough question for a consumer, especially if they've never gone through a fitting and they're trying to uh, self-diagnose what they, they should have based on what they know about themselves. Um, they may not know if they hit the ball higher than they're supposed to unless they've been on a launch monitor and someone tells them they're a little inefficient with their trajectory and so forth. So they may not know necessarily um, they want to find a shaft that helps bring the trajectory down. So they've got to at least start with an understanding of do they have a symptom that they're trying to fix and then learn a little bit about the options that are available to, to address those things. And, they, and you want to do, use a, a two-prong approach um, you know, considering the head as well as the shaft, um, a shaft can, can only do so much and a head can only do so much. So if you've got a long way to go in any direction to improve the, the performance, whether it's trajectory, ball speed, dispersion, um, you want to look at both of those and, 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 and try and figure out what, what can contribute to what. Um, so starting with a club fitter, would be a good uh, a good first step for anyone. I think anyone listening to this too's kind of been down that road, so they might already have a pretty good idea of you know I like um, a shaft that helps bring the ball up, bring the ball down, tighten the dispersion, and then you can kind of start to read the features and benefits and do a little bit of homework on what what is kind of geared or designed towards helping those goals, and then you fine tune it further. Um, by figuring out is there a weight that I that the player feels like they're better off swinging, whether that's a weight to help create more speed or a weight to help create more control or a weight that helps a player hit the ball more centeredness on the face, better contact. Uh, after that, I'd go to length. Is length um, something that needs to be changed from standard based on the player's goal to hit it higher, hit it lower? swing the club faster, hit it, you know, more in the center of the club face. Um, then I'd go to flex. Is flex something that um, helps me with control? Is flex something that helps me with any of those other variables that I just mentioned? Um, and then you kind of, I would kind of go to fine tuning um, the variables. Is, is my goal to shorten the club, to hit it straighter? Does that match up with, with my preference for the swing weight to also be heavy? I may not want a counterbalance shaft, um, you know, without having to really jerry-rig or customize the club head. So that would be kind of my my general process of, you know, starting the research. And I'll just interject, Nate. 
that should tell the consumer alone that it's far more complex um, than just picking out a shaft off of a website. It's, it's the fitter's experience that's going to maximize both the performance of the club head and the golf shaft together. That's the most important thing that we should take away from what Garrett just said. So let's say that uh, a player is, let's say, you know, uh, typically they play a driver that's 10 degrees of, uh, or they typically type like a 10 degree driver. And uh, the brands, you know, like we offer nine degrees and we offer 10 and a half degrees. So one of the things, you know, we talked about, there's the, the two have to work in concert with each other, the club head and the, and the shaft. So is it, uh, I would say like a, let's say a fact or a fiction, you know, you could go with a, uh, if you go with the 10 degree driver, you need a low launch shaft. Or if you go with the nine degree driver, you need a high launch shaft. Or is it, or is, is the head itself and getting the loft of the head, the right loft, going to trump, I guess, the, the shaft options going high launch, low launch, that type of, of setup? Well, what I'll say from the shaft's perspective is a club head, you're always going to be able to manipulate more spin out of through loft, right? So a nine to ten and a half, you're going to be able to manipulate more spin there. Um, what, the, what the shaft can do is create a fine-tuned approach of consistency so that you're getting a consi consistent launch uh, moving forward. You're getting consistent spins moving forward. Now, yes, we can definitely, you know, if you need a 10 and a half plus more launch, that's where, you know, a shaft like maybe a, a Ventus Red in our line, our most spinning shaft would come into play. Um, or if you need a, a low launch shaft, right? So a, a nine degree, uh, but you, you're still finding you need a lower launch with lower spin. You're going to maybe look at a Ventus Black in that situation. So the shaft is there to help fine tune while provide uh, feel and con consistency uh, for, for the golfer. All right, so now let's, let's talk about uh, shaft, shafts as they progress throughout the set. Every club needs a golf shaft. And uh, how do you guys recommend, you know, flighting, let's say, both weight and flex throughout the set? Let's say starting at the driver and working down. Well, driver is kind of the, it's on its own platform. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to kind of, kind of box it in, right? Because let's say I play a 115 gram iron shaft. I have a couple of options in our line where I can, if I, if I need a hybrid or a utility shaft, I have our, our Ventus line where we have a, a 90 gram or a hundred gram shaft that I could put in there. So it's really fine tuning those two. I would say if I was to just classify or generalize going from a 115 iron shaft, I would then go into a 90 gram hybrid shaft just as a generalization. Um, and then you can kind of work the other way from the bag. So let's say I need a 60 gram driver shaft. Well, typically speaking or generally speaking, you're going to move into a 70 gram fairway shaft there. Okay. And that's just on my side of things. And it, let's say that if you go into a five wood, you might even look up into an 80 gram uh, five wood shaft or seven wood shaft just for some more control and an easier transition from driver to iron set at that point. Garrett, do you have uh, do, do you want to fight Austin about that or are you on board with that? No, that's pretty much standard procedure for us as well. What, what we typically see, um, you know, thinking about uh, what we see a lot on the LPGA, we see 50 gram driver shafts, we'll put 60 grams in their fairway woods. 
and then uh, maybe 70 grams in their hybrids, 90 grams in their iron. So essentially the, the, the longer the club gets, the lighter the shaft. Um, that's kind of the, the norm. And um, if you start with a heavier um, driver, because you got a lot of speed, that's kind of the trend. You're going to put something heavy in there. Uh, PGA Tour, for example, there's a lot of 70 gram uh, driver shafts. 80 grams into the fairway, 90 or 100 into the into the utilities or hybrids, and then um, you know all the way up into the 120s and 30s for the irons, and sometimes over 130 in the wedges. So that, that's pretty typical. And then, and I think uh, just to just to say, Nate, quickly that a lot of that reason is the driver is built for speed, the irons are built for best stability and consistency. So having a little bit of extra weight that's going to create a little bit more stability there. Having a little less weight in the driver, that maybe creates a little bit more speed or, or generates a little bit more club head speed. So then same question with flex. Would we, if it's based, if the weighting's based on, on speed, would flex also theoretically go that way too, where maybe your driver will be stiffer than your wedges? It can um, be, but I would, I would typically, Gary, go ahead. You, you start and I'll, I'll interject again. Yeah, I mean... My, if I'll see anything that's late flex is like um, clothing size for the most part, there's not necessarily a, a, an industry standard or a norm for that. Um, first of all, so one company's stiff might feel and flex different than another company's stiff or even the same company, two different lines. Um, so keep that in mind. But if we see any sort of trend, with uh, with golfers, they may not want their irons as stiff as they like their their driver. Um, so we'll see some stiff flex iron shafts with X flex woods as kind of a general norm. Not not as common the other way around, but it does happen. And um, even if you have the same flex throughout the bag, um, one way to kind of measure flex, if you will, um, is with a frequency machine um, and if it, say they're all stiff flex, the frequency of your longer clubs are going to be softer or slower than the frequency of your shorter clubs. So just um, due to the fact that the clubs get shorter, they, they get stiffer. That makes sense. Yeah. The length changes that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Good stuff. So let's shift gears here and let's talk, let's dive into the community mailbag. So, when we found out that uh, our lawyers had talked to Austin's agent and we were able to uh, find an agreeable booking time for this episode, uh, we put out uh, on the Cali community some, some uh, an, an open uh, open call for questions for for this particular episode about shafts. So we got some fantastic questions on the top of uh, people's minds. Um, if you've not checked out the community, check that out, callawaygolf.com slash community. Head over to the fitting corner thread, and there you can ask and answer and learn from uh, wonderfully smart smart golfers when it comes to fitting and equipment. And uh, some of the best questions like these we'll bring here onto the podcast, and uh, some of the best even yet we will bring onto the live show that Garrett and I do every Monday night at. 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, the fitting room live. But let's get into it. Um, so the, this first question comes from the Spotted Rooster, and he says, please uh, let me know if 
you agree with this strategy. When I am looking for a new driver or new fairway woods, I look at the shaft weight, torque, and kick point and try to match them uh, as close as I can to my current setup. Is this a sensible approach? Well, just from our, our side of things, it's a, it's a great starting point. I don't think – you can't go wrong by just starting at that point. Um, but the next steps are understanding the fact that there are different bin profiles within each shaft that we design. There's also different GJ profiles, which is the profile of how the, the shaft is twisting uh, throughout the entire length of the design. So there's other factors in there than just the stuff that we post maybe online. Um, the second part is obviously we're going to say this probably multiple times because it is the fitting room podcast, but go see a fitter. Um, and these guys really know they have the next level of knowledge to fit you into what's going to work best for you. But yes, if, if you're simply starting, you know, looking for a starting point, it's not a bad direction to start. Yeah, Nate, I could take that one step further and say, you know, a good starting point is to start with the same shaft. Um, as a fitter, I like to know all the variables <clears throat> that are in play and minimize how many I'm changing at one time. So if you are getting a new driver, for instance, and you want to, um, you know, get the best setup, starting with the same shaft is, is a good starting point. Um, you know, not, not necessarily just one that measures similar, but the same shaft. And that's for the most part with tour players that come in, whether it's the off season and we're looking at, um, you know, higher pro profile players from other OEMs, we'll essentially build them the Callaway equivalent to whatever clubs they're using now. And that includes, um, you know, their lofts and lies on all their clubs or their set configuration are equivalent to what they've got in their bag. They're, they're same driver shaft. And then if the driver shaft is something that, or, or any shaft for that matter, through the bag, that's something that needs to change we kind of discover that along the, the process rather than let's change everything right away. Right. Yeah. And I, the only thing I would add to what you guys said is uh, how do we know that, and in this case, maybe it is, but how do you know that the current setup is the optimal one for you? So if you're trying to copy something that was wrong in the first place, um, like Austin said, that's the power of getting fit. In this case, I'd be willing to bet that the current setup was working and you're just looking for, you know, new technology or a little more distance. Um, but again, the, the shaft is a, another variable that can help address uh, anything you're trying, trying to uh, uh, fix. So a uh, good question there from Spider Rooster. We'll, we'll move on to the next one. And, and this, this one comes from Chuck H and he asks, um, can you discuss the myth or not of, made for shafts is there a quality difference i know there are some clubs that come with offerings of shafts that cannot be had in the aftermarket so a uh, good question there popular question i'd say probably more five six years ago than than today um but uh the question basically is when a golf club comes with a shaft that you cannot buy in the aftermarket like what's going on with with that with that club or that shaft. Um, Austin, why don't you kick us off with that? Yeah, so as you know, Nate and, and Garrett, we work with you guys directly to determine the best performance attributes to put into a design. We work together. Uh, we, we understand what the club head's doing. 
and what you're looking for. So you have a desired performance performance set of performance attributes that we then put into a design uh, to perform a specific function from the shaft side of things. Yeah, so in this case, sometimes there may be, let's say a, a standard offering that doesn't quite meet what the what Callaway is looking for, let's say from a field standpoint, from a launch standpoint, from a flex standpoint. So there needs to be some, some modifications based on our data of who's the golfer that's going to be using this club. And maybe it doesn't align specifically with one of the standard options. So we're able to make some small adjustments, modifications so that it fits that head better. Um, but I can say from a, a quality standpoint, from a durability standpoint, you know, the, it, there, that is not in the consideration. It's really about a performance characteristics, performance factors to deliver what, what Callaway believes to be what that golfer, what's going to be best for the most number of golfers for that specific driver head or club yeah. head. Yeah, Nate, too, I can give you a little bit of an example of, of, you know, a reason why there might be a made for shaft. So say, for instance, um, we decide the goal of, I'll just use a, a category as an example the goal for a new hybrid is to hit it a little farther go figure right a little farther than last year's hybrid <laughs> and um, how are we going to do that what do we need to do to the head to try and get more ball speed change the launch change the spin um, do we have room to make the shaft longer so that players generate more speed so that might mean the weight of the hybrids um, get a little bit different than previously so we'll work with the, uh, some of the shaft companies on designing a shaft that hits a specific target on how heavy it is, the length that we want to make it for the for the product, and the swing weight that that club needs to be by the time it's a built built club. So um, our engineers will go to the, to the to the shaft companies with sort of a set of parameters on we need a shaft that is going to play at this length, this weight with this head weight, this grip weight, that's going to swing weight at this, at this number. Right. Um, so by the time and that might not yeah. be a standard offering that might yeah. not exist and that might yeah. need to be made. So that's a great example. Um, yeah, especially cause you know, there is like, there is no such thing as standard length as well. You know, yeah. there's, there's every, every brand may have different lengths and um, you know, there's, I know Garrett, we've talked about this a lot lately, but there's, 12 different ways to measure a golf club as well. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will move down the list here. Uh, this question comes from uh, Eddie the Carp, and he asks, what factors contribute most to finding the right head and shaft combination to, for them to work the best together? Obviously, this varies based on the swing and the club, um, but curious if you guys – have noticed any trends, whether it's CG location, EI profiles, et cetera, that may produce desirable results? Um, I always like to know where someone hits it on the club face. Um, and then that will sort of lean, um, lead me towards a specific type of club head. Um, and then uh, once we go down that road, we'll, I'll use the shaft to kind of see if we can fine tune the club uh, but I always start with the head and, and understand hit location first and then um, get a head that optimizes how they tend to hit it uh, for instance if a person hits it 
low on the club face with an iron because they don't hit down on the golf ball. It's probably the most common consumer um, tendencies to hit it thin, hit it low on the face. So I'll give that player it's a, uh, an iron that has a low center of gravity and see if they get a more efficient ball speed than their, than their older club, which is going to help them get a little bit more distance. It also helps the ball fly up in the air a little bit more. And then I might go to some shafts that are either um, different in some way to see if maybe they don't hit it as thin with, uh, with one shaft versus another. So that'd be my approach. So other yeah. than, let me ask you, let me ask a follow-up to that. Are there any shaft head combinations that for some, let's say physics reason can never work? Um, that's a good question. I wouldn't have an exact answer for that. I would, I would generally say no. Um, I have heard a lot of players, um, pros, amateurs alike, sort of indicate in the past that my old shaft doesn't work in my new head or my new, you know, or vice versa, something like that. And we'll see a ton of players that transfer their old shaft, not necessarily the same shaft, but they keep getting the same shaft in new clubs, you know, two, three, four, you know, uh, product cycles down the road and never have any issues with it. So mm. you, you kind of hear it all over the place on with, with that. Yeah. And I think, I think Eddie brings up a good point. There, there is some stuff going on with CG location uh, movements and variation and how a shaft performs in that function. Because um, shafts that are stiffer may change one thing or another for a player uh, and may not change anything for another player. But the CG location and bin profile, yeah, there can be a, a sweet spot relationship with those as well. Right. Uh, and yeah, inter interesting stuff, but I think the key takeaway here is there's nothing, you know, it's going to be player dependent. There's nothing inherent in the construction of a shaft that either makes it more or less compatible with a driver. Uh, it's all about what the player needs, their, their launch, launch conditions and how that combination of weight and balance point and flex and torque matches up with the spin profile of the head for that player. Without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Nate, essentially the answer to that question is it's an iterative, iterative process of that player hitting a lot of different options and kind of, um, you know, eliminating options until they, they get something that's working as best as it can. Right. And I think, uh, at, at least in my own evolution as a golfer, um, and, and Garrett, I know we've talked about this a lot, it seems like the more shafts and more combinations you try – the more you realize what works for you. And, you know, we've joked like, oh, I'll take any driver shaft that's between 66 and 67 grams. And, yeah. you know, like it just, you, you kind of learn over time what tends to work for you. Um, and you know what weight works at what flex that you like. And then um, the torque, you know, somewhat affects the feel of that. And then the last variate or the last bit there is going to be, uh, the paint job. It's got to look good. Definitely got to look good. <laughs> yeah, Austin, how many, uh, how, many, how many hundreds of people do you have on the paint job team? <laughs> um, <laughs> we only have a few, but we have a lot of opinions within those few, if that helps, <laughs> including myself. I think, you know, from, from conception to production, I'm sure I change how I feel about something 
based on what our, our great team puts out, right? From a paint perspective, there, you know, we could have seven different reds in front of us and to the naked eye, they may look exactly the same. If you get them outside, you put them in that player position, you get to kind of understand, oh, this really does matter. That's why, you know, there's so many people on these automotive teams, you know, working on, on, on paint jobs as well. So yeah. it's the number one thing, you know, we're talking about a, we're talking about a, a cylinder basically. Right. And, We've got to make it look cool, but it, you know, the first thing first is obviously the performance has to be there. But right. a high performance car needs a high performance look and feel. Yep. Well said. Yeah. All right. Uh, we've got a couple more questions here, and we've got uh, uh, I'd say Epic Chris is up next, and he may have squeezed in more than one question, but they're good questions, so I think we'll indulge him here. So. Fact or fiction, this one we can do quickly. Um, uh, from a manufacturing side, how? what are your thoughts and how much value is there in orienting or puring a shaft when building a club? From, from our side of things, um, we go through strenuous processes through our design program uh, to make sure that there is not uh, a sweet spot on the shaft or for that uh, – for lack thereof, uh, a dead spot on the shaft, right? So we go through what's called clocking and we wrap materials in a, in a manner to create as much concentricity as possible. And that's just a, a fancy word for, you know, being uniform throughout, you know, trying to make um, the best uniform product possible. So from our side of things, we believe that we don't need to do that, but from a golfer side of things, if that's going to inspire some confidence, if it's going to make you feel better about the product you have in your hand, what's the issue, right? So mm. it's not necessarily from our side of things going to perform any differently because we are, we are taking every step possible to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, but it, from a confidence level, you know, go, go for it. If, if you feel like it's going to make you feel that much better about your, your driver or three wood, uh, what, what's the issue with the, with the golfer doing that? You know what I think, Austin? I think you're a little bit too polite. That's what I think. I was, I was going to say, uh, uh, Nate, I think Austin could uh, have a future in politics with that one. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, I think it's a little it's too true. polite. But it's I will so true, say this. Austin just dropped uh, a new term for the fitting room. I don't believe this has ever been mentioned in our – I think we're now up to like 141 episodes. Concentricity. That is a fantastic fitting word. We don't use it enough. We're going to add that to the fitting room official glossary dictionary. Uh, I'm so happy thank to you. help. Yeah, thank you, Austin. <laughs> That's a great, great term there. But, yeah, like you said, uh, you, the, the way that the graphite layers of graphite are wrapped are such that as you rotate the shaft, you'll see consistency. And this is actually needed because with adjustable drivers, uh, every time you adjust the hosels, uh, it's going to orient the shaft slightly differently anyway. So absolutely. Um, uh, anyway, so uh, important there. All right. Uh, next question. Um, I would like to understand a little bit better about shaft technology, uh, how shaft technology such as VeloCore can affect MOI. Is it mainly have to do with uh, twisting? Um, but, uh, but, there's a lot more here, but I'll leave it at that. So let's talk about how 
shaft technology can affect MOI and, um, and your velocore technology? Yeah, so it's a great question. And velocore was created to promote on-center-face contact. You know, we validated it through our, inter, uh, our ENZO testing here at Fujikura. But when we say it's affecting MOI, what we're, what we're really saying is it's maximizing the MOI of your driver head. You know, these driver heads are excellent at being forgiving, um, but we want to be able to support them or maximize that forgiveness for the golfer through uh, VeloCore technology, through the pitch 70 ton carbon fiber material. We're able to reduce uh, a lot of the twisting that happens at the moment of impact. So when you hit a shot that you think is going to go straight, it's going to go straight. And if you miss one, you're going to be surprised at how straight that golf shot goes because as we know, MOI is just that resistance of twisting at impact. So if we can maximize that, what the, what the driver head or the three wood or heck even the hybrid is, is doing, we can maximize the performance that a Callaway has already put into a, a club head through a golf shaft. Why wouldn't we? And why wouldn't we want that? You know, let's, let's make those, those straight shots uh, more consistent and more often. So it's not necessarily, it's not an MOI golf shaft per se, but it is a forgiving golf shaft in the sense that it is maximizing the MOI of the club head. Uh, and I just realized I did actually just make a mistake, which I'd like to correct, which is the Callaway OptiFit hosel, you can always orient the shaft the right way so that your grip is aligned properly, the cosmetics of the shaft is aligned property, properly while adjusting both the loft and light. The only brand that does that. So um, that's something that I really love about uh, our clubs is that uh, no matter how much I want to tinker with uh, a specific, you know, whether it's Liangle or this head that maybe needs a half degree more loft or less loft, uh, the shaft cosmetics, which we talked about how important those are, uh, always remain the same. Um, all right, uh, last question here uh, before we wrap up. And this question is uh, on the subject of torque and the shaft being able to twist on its axis. Axis is eliminating as much of that twisting always better. And maybe uh, <laughs> Austin, I want to hear your answer. And Garrett, I know yeah. you you are around the robot a lot as well. So I'd love to hear humans versus robots. But Austin, you can kick us off with that one. Yeah. It not necessarily, and, and the reason I say that is there are many golfers that need that twisting to help manipulate the club face back to a centered point at impact. It's, you know, we don't swing in a straight line. That's not happening. Our body is rotating. Our hands are moving. All of these things are happening uh, throughout the golf swing. So having some sort of torsion can help with this. Torsion can also help with maximizing uh, ball speeds and swing speeds for that matter. Torsion can also help you time the golf club properly so that you are finding that centerness of contact. So when I say not necessarily, it, it may help to lower torque for some golfers, but not all golfers for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Also, Nate, torque is like a huge component for, for feel, probably more so than for flight. So it's sort of a post-impact <clears throat> phenomenon more so than a pre-impact, um, you know, component. Right. So, you, could, you could have like an extra stiff flex shaft, 
that has a high torque and feels softer than maybe a reg flex with really low torque. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I believe, uh, at least from when we look at high speed cameras, the ball, the length of time the ball sits on the club face is so short that it doesn't actually have much time during impact while the ball's on the face for there to be much flexing anyway or twisting. Yeah, I mean, the ball's off the face before you, you even hear it, uh, essentially, right. and way before you feel it. Right. So it's a fraction of a second. And, Garrett, do you see any, um, any difference with respect to torque when it comes to robot testing? Um, not a significant difference on ball flight um, from the torque. Um, in other words, if it's higher torque, we don't see – um, the face lagging open <clears throat> during the downswing relative to a to a, um, a super low torque, and that might not be the case if the um, the spectrum of torques that were available were like huge. But I mean, if you talk about low torque, you're talking like a couple of degrees. High torque, six degrees. Now, if there was 70 80 90 degrees of torque maybe you'd start to see that have a, a lot greater influence during the the downswing on a robot of you know how open or closed the face might be right now last follow-up question here if somebody is uh let's say hitting it all over the face versus someone that just has a dime mark in the center of the face will having let's say less torque be better for one of those two players so you know you could make the argument hey i hit it all over the face so i don't want the face to move i want it to be really stable you could also make the argument that if i'm hitting it all over the face then i need a little bit of let's say forgiveness because i'm not always hitting it right in the middle you're, you're, you're in this more day to day than i am so you start okay. off and I'll, I'll interject okay so um like I mentioned, um, huge impact on, on how, the, how the shaft feels in your hands. And everyone wants their shaft to feel good. Um, and again, a shaft can only go so far as far as helping you hit it less all over the club face and changing how open or closed the face is and, and changing how much the club head's going to twist at impact on a miss hit. Um, but feel, everyone will have a, um, like an instant reaction on how something feels to them so the by far the, the the first comment that comes out of anyone's mouth after they try something is that that feels and then they'll describe it um, so with a higher torque shaft is as you hit it all over the club face there's going to be some twisting at impact it tends to feel a little bit smoother softer people people just use all sorts of words to describe feel, but <clears throat> it'll feel a little more forgiving, essentially. The lower torque shafts for someone that hits it all over the club face, <clears throat> the shaft's gonna twist a little bit less, so they're gonna, they're gonna get that up into the grip and feel it in their hands as, a, as more of a harsh feel, even if the flex doesn't designate that it's gonna, it should feel super harsh. Yeah, and I'll say torque, it's, it's such a funny one too, GP, and the fact that we, we blanket these shafts with this one tiny number and you and I both know that there's 1168 millimeters within the entire shaft profile that there's a bunch of other little things going on throughout this like butt flex and tip flex and mid flex and 
and all the things that we're able to do from from a tourismal standpoint. You know, it's it's not just it's not just it's a four degree torque and I need a, a four point seven or I need a three point three. It's so much more than this. And it's it's always our job to communicate like don't just stick to a torque that you know and love because there's probably something out there and I almost guarantee you there's something out there that's better for you than, than what you're just seeing um, on a piece of paper on, online. Right. And uh, Austin, I, I will say I appreciate as a gearhead that I am, I appreciate uh, on the Fuji website that you guys list all of the flex points. So the butt, the tip flex, the, the, the butt flex, like the mid flex. So um, that's helpful in understanding like with, a little bit of which one's going to play a little stiffer, which one's going to feel a little stiffer. It helps paint a big, a little bit clearer picture, at least looking online and doing research there. Yeah, and just to add in, uh, Nate, to that point, we recently came out with a, a kind of a shaft profile guide for all of our, our products. And it just, it gives you, you know, the feel that you're going to feel in the tip section, the midsection, and, and the handle section uh, based on the stiffness, right? So it's kind of like, a super summarized EI profile, just giving you kind of the feeling of what you're going to feel uh, in in those three locations, because that's kind of what we look for the most, you know, uh, from from that standpoint. So, excellent. Well, we've spent uh, a good amount of time going deep into Shaft World. Austin, was there anything we missed? Is there anything you'd like to share with our fitting room audience? Other than the obvious, go and get fit. Um, you may you may know a lot about golf. I know a lot about golf. Nate knows a lot. GP knows a lot. But we still go and get fit because we don't know everything. And there's there's people that are going to know our swing uh, based on the numbers and the output that they they receive from the latest technologies that they're able to work with that we'll ever be able to do just by simply feeling and looking at ball flight. So make sure you're talking to your fitter. Uh, Make sure you're getting fit, obviously, and just be open. Be an open book. Be transparent because they're they're really just looking to help you play your best golf. So, right. uh, that's you know that's a little a little pitch for for yeah. obviously going and getting fit. I agree. You don't need to impress your fitter. Don't go there trying to impress the fitter. The fitter's there trying to help you, and uh, being open and honest is good. And um, if you've never been to a driving range with Garrett, he is a human track man. He'll tell you, oh, that was twenty three fifty. 12 degrees of launch. Um, and there's guys out there that can do that for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you, Austin. Austin, it was great to have you on the show. Perhaps we'll have you back uh, in, in a short period of time when we can talk about some exciting new stuff. Um, Absolutely. Garrett, I will see you on Monday in the, in the radio studio. Thanks, Nate. And uh, in the meantime, let us not forget – that uh, every Monday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, we can you can join Garrett and I in the Fitting Room Live on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, and we take your calls live on the air. So uh, a good opportunity to get your questions answered from, uh, from the Fitting Room team directly. Um, you can also book your free distance fitting at callawaygolf.com slash distance fitting. It's an over-the-phone 30-minute fitting session with a certified master fitter. Uh, certainly a great place, probably the best place to start any fitting journey. Plus, it doesn't cost uh, you anything. And if you do have a, a, a topic you want to learn more about or any uh, fitting question, 
Uh, we're always checking the Callaway community, callawaygolf.com slash community. Head over to the Fitting Corner thread. That's it for this episode. Uh, the Fitting Room is part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Wonderful programming. This episode was produced by Tyler Sheehan, recorded by Jen Turk, and edited by Trevor McLarino. We'll be back next week with more from the Fitting Room Podcast.